Danny, this is crazy, man. You got everybody thinking that we're kissing sisters out. See, I mean, at this what, point, Danny, you're drunk. Like, you know how you know how everybody says when you it's when you tie, it's like a brother and sister kissing. Like, no, you never heard that. You never that heard before? that? Oh, you're a wild no. bro. That's the battered way of looking at things, though, right? Because we're the battered hair on speed. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Chris, the Herons are back. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 44 of the Battered Herons podcast. I am your host, Daniel Granada, along with my co-host, Mr. KBD himself, Christian Durant. How are you doing, sir? Well, my internet connection is actually a little better than last time, so that's great. Yes. Well, hopefully my Walmart lights don't go out again like last time. <laughs> I'll be prepared this time, I promise. Yes, yes, yes. If, if, you, if I just randomly disappear, please don't just stare at the screen like a dumbass and just start speaking. <laughs> All right, well, this episode is going to be, uh, I don't know if I'm going to say it's going to be fun. I mean, it should always be fun, right? We try to always have fun. But Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, it, it might get into the, the bashing side of things a little bit because things are just not looking very pretty right now. This is four losses in a row. And, I mean, is there an end in sight? I'm not really sure yet. I'm not feeling too great about it. But a lot of people are actually wanting to kiss sisters, by the way. But just go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, and we do have a home game. So whether it's win, lose, or draw, everybody likes coming out to the stadium because we like to have fun at the stadium. It's a great environment with La Familia. And, of course... We have a very special guest today, somebody that helps bring that energy to those tailgates, Mr. Mike. Man, I don't want to mess up your last name. Is it Longin? Longin, yeah, no. Longin, there you go. Got the name Mike Longin. Super excited to be here, super excited to bring some of the energy that we're going to have. Man, I didn't expect the applause. That's awesome. No one ever applauses me. (laughs) Well, you should get an applause, man. I heard that those green, uh, the green lock tailgates are awesome. No, they're amazing, and and you know we we were saying just yesterday that with with the losing streak going on, the only thing we can do is party even harder before the game, party even harder after the game, um, possibly party even harder during the game. If it just stops going to the games, we'll just sit in the parking lot and party. Uh, but yeah, bring the energy here that we're gonna have in the parking lot, and hopefully, maybe a chance we bring it actually into the stands and get a win, break this streak. I think all of us as Inter Miami fans know around game seven or eight of the season when we actually have that little win streak. And if we start feeling good again before it crashes down. Well, I think that's oh, the yeah. hard part of this season is that we got accustomed to starting really slow and then game six, we take off. But this season, we decided to win the first two and kind of just, you know, get those those, those juices flowing. We're like, oh, this year's going to be a little different. We got the first two wins out the way. Oh, here we go. And then they brought us right back down to reality. But, um, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, it, it was a rough game this past Saturday, and um, I guess I'll, I'm going to start. Let's get just jump right straight into it. Chris, your thoughts on the game against Cincy? Going on, Esteban. I mean, uh, my thoughts are, are, are pretty basic. I thought that it was kind of sucky to see how terrible we were on offense. It really sucks to see that we we couldn't even attempt to get one in the back of the net. Right. There's one thing that Phil Neville did say in his postgame press conference where he was pretty accurate. The pressures are on the on the top on the final third. And, you know, I I, I looked back a little bit at some of the game and I, I really started to kind of see kind of what Phil Neville was talking about, where he believes that 
this was one of their best outings. I mean, that's a little far-fetched in my opinion, but I kind of understand where he's coming from in that aspect. I, what do you think about that, Mike, as far as their performance in the last game? I mean, if, if we if we ignore the fact we can't score a goal and, and look at the first two-thirds of the field, I think there's some truth to it. We we had ball control. I think about 62% you know, possession or somewhere around there. We, we over-possessed on the game. Um, yeah. Really, calendar was barely tested. The goal was kind of it was a mistake or a fluke. You can look at it a couple different ways. Obviously, Martinez shouldn't have stepped up and, and stopped covering. You know, maybe we stopped that goal from happening. Um, so I, I can see the statement, right? Like if you look at just these facts, you be objective. We take our emotions out of it. There's some yeah. truth to it, but then we remember the fact that like the ball went backwards the whole game. We had possession because we started at the top third and passed, 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 passed. And then Calendar had it. And I think that's the conversation we're going to talk about a lot tonight is the fact the ball seems to go in the opposite direction and our guys don't want to take a shot. Like there's a fear of shooting right now that clearly starts on the practice field. Well, I don't want to be seems... that guy. Go ahead, Chris. No, no, go ahead. You, you want to be that guy. Just be that guy. <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be that guy. After the first two games, I was telling you that I wasn't impressed with this offense because the first four goals – Two were brilliant shots from outside the box, and two were just lucky shots in the first game. I told you that this offense wasn't looking good, and everybody's like, oh, but it's not all luck. It looks like all luck now because I, we haven't looked competent at all on offense. In that final third, we looked lost. This game, I thought we were in trouble because I thought they were going to press so often they would make a lot of mistakes in the back and turn the ball over. I was completely wrong. Since he didn't press us at all, they said, no. you can't do anything in the final third. Bring the ball up. We're going to let you hold the possession and good luck breaking us down. And we couldn't. We didn't do anything productive. What were you going to say, Chris? I'm sorry before I interrupted you. Well, I, I just felt that it's kind of crazy that Negri, from what my from my perspective, it seems like he's really the only one other than Mota that's about that life. Like that he's he and Mota are the only ones that are just willing to let it fly from just about anywhere on the field. Like he had two shots not on goal but he had two shots i mean stefanelli had three joseph martinez had three but other than that he was in in, in third place and shot shots taken which is crazy to me even though that's kind of what we want out of negri but like come on we're getting it from our left back it's it's you see it you see the ball get to the top of the 18 and all of a sudden the backs turn to the goal and they want to pass it back and that's where i kind of go back oh. to the statement of it, it feels like on the practice field, they're constantly being told reset, reset, reset. And it's created this pattern where they just don't want to take the shot. Because like, there is that. There's a fear of taking the shot. There was, I think in the second half, I remember one time ball came in kind of the right side of the 18. And, and you had a clear, someone had a clear shot at goal and he passed. He just wanted to go someplace else with the ball. He didn't want to take the shot. And you're right. Negri will take the shots. Martinez, like, I'm sure we're going to talk about the blank out train. I'm still a big fan of Martinez. I feel like once he opens his account that we're going to start seeing it ratchet up. I think we're going to see him get those two more goals to get 100 real soon. But he, he's not putting the ball on net. You know, Moza and Negri mm -hmm. seem to be put the ball near frame. Uh, but the other guy's got to take some, taking some shots. And, and, you know, the one I really want to see take some shots is Pizarro because I think if you look at who has the engines on the field right now, Negri, obviously – Pizarro wants to play all 90 and do something with the ball. The problem is he keeps on dribbling into people instead of just taking a shot or getting the pass to the right spot. 
I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I if if my take on Pizarro is accurate or not, or what you guys think, and I'll 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 get to you first, Danny. But my take on Pizarro is I feel like maybe he's at a point where he doesn't have so much clout on the team, right? People are starting to see that he hustles. He's very energetic on both on offense, on defense. Look, you could tell that this guy has a talent of keeping the ball with him and being able to possess the ball. But I feel like he's playing a little, uh, he's playing a little reserved and maybe he's doing it to play towards what Phil Neville's asking for instead of being an aggressive center midfielder. Because like, if there was a game that he had the opportunity to do it, it would have been this last game. He finally was put at the 10. But again, you see him be a little bit more reserved and he's holding it back and he's circling it back around and passing it to the side and passing it to the back. So, Danny, I mean, what do you think about uh, about his play, about uh, about I mean, the th- way that's, that... Th- that's always the criticism we've had of Pisado, right? He holds on to the ball a little too long. I don't, But I don't think it's a lack of aggression. I think this is the same Pisado we've always seen. The one person that I think that has been lacking aggression has been Duke. Bryce Duke, I thought this was his, his – he's had opportunities now because we were worried that he wasn't going to have opportunities to play much or to show his skill. He's getting opportunities. He's just not doing much with them. He's – ever since Gregory got injured, they started putting Duke and Taylor to kind of cover it, cover up that Gregory hole. But because of that, I feel like Bryce Duke has been very reserved and he's almost – he's scared to kind of push the ball up. And he's constantly pushing it back. Now – I'm going to give credit to Steve Munoz. Steve Munoz, he sent the picture in the Discord, and he showed us this picture. Now, I'm going to go based off of what he said, right? Because I don't remember this exactly. But he said that he took this screenshot. And this, as you can see, he's got a lot of green to his left. I want to say that that's Mota or Pizarro to his left. He could pass it there. And according to Steve Munoz in this picture, he ended up passing it backwards. He is playing it very, very safe. Why that is, I'm not. I, I I don't know if it's tactically what Neville is telling him to do, or if he's just scared to push it up because he's trying to stay back as much as possible. What's, what's up, Mike? So so I'll I'll jump in there on the Duke piece. But I want to get the Pizarro piece too. I think Duke is what 24, 23. He's a young guy, and here's his coach yeah. telling him pass backwards. You look at a guy like a Martinez. Martinez is not going to pass backwards, right? Like he's been doing this his whole yeah, life. He's not. He doesn't care what the coach says. He's going to play forward. Duke isn't going to do that, right? And he's going to listen to his coach. So you ask why is he doing it? My assumption is because it's what Neville's telling him to do. He's listening to his coach. Pizarro, I don't want to give him a pass because I know we all love to watch and dribble into people. But I got to tell you, a lot of what I'm seeing from the stands and on TV is he's he's looking. Like you see him both hands down. Like where the hell do you want the ball right now? Like I'm trying to do something and no one's helping me out. And I've been seeing a lot of that on, uh, from the wing play of we have guys going forward or even Mota down the center. He's going, guys are going forward and no one's going with him. No one wants to make a run. You know, I don't know how many offsides calls we've had, but I don't think it's a lot because no one's even playing far enough to get offside. Yeah. They're all staying parallel with the ball, not trying to get the run forward. Um, and again, yeah, no I, I think that's week. tactics. I don't think our guys want to be aggressive. Well, and I think that Joseph also isn't the kind of player that's trying to get behind the line, right? Like, you don't see him really trying to make, I guess, that that backdoor. I mean, I keep saying backdoor because I play a lot of basketball. But, like, you know, that that run behind the defense. And so I don't see that very often either. I think the only players that I've seen it with is, uh, I mean, Lasseter had, you know, a couple opportunities uh, in terms of just his route running in that sense. But I, I see exactly what you're seeing. Pizarro's 
looking around, it's not like he's necessarily going in circles like everybody says, but when he does progress forward, he's looking to build the play. It just so happens that nobody's pushing with him, so he has no other choice but to sort of restructure. So I'll Mike's point when he brought up the offside. Forward. Oh, I'm sorry, just real I'm quick. Say, Chris, your point. point. There are two other guys that are running forward. It's our it's our backs. You see both Negri yeah. and oh, Yedlin yeah. sprinting yeah. up the sides and then kind of looking like, where's the ball? And yeah. so I, I know eventually I want to cover the fact that I think we have two wing backs and not two backs, but like our defensive guys are the ones trying to push forward and, and no one's going with them. And back to what you were saying about the offsides, usually teams that are aggressive, right, that you try to run into that empty space when somebody's going to lead you in there with a nice touch or, or ball over the top. Those are the teams that are aggressive and get a lot of offside calls. Right now, Inter-Miami has the second least amount of offsides this off this season. We've only had five offside calls this year. Like, usually, maybe you could say, hey, that's because, you know, we play smart. We have good timing. But generally, that's not the case. We have five offsides, and then the team with the least would be Colorado with four. Colorado is not a good team right now. So, By the way, Danny, I just yeah. want to call. I had no idea that was the stat, right? This is my eye test telling if I've never seen yes. an offside call, and the stat's mm -hmm. backing up the eye test. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no offsides over here. So as you like, we we're just lost, and um, and I think that, and not to harp on it, right? Because we've talked about this, and everybody's talked about it all so often. But that loss of Bosuelo is 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 astronomical. Like if I understand why they did it, right? The big fish in the summer, hopefully. But I feel like as an Inter Miami fan. I just want to win now. I don't care who's on the team. And I feel like maybe it, it wasn't the smartest decision. At, you know, hindsight being 2020, because at this point, if we end up tanking, what are the chances that Messi really wants to come to a team that's, you know, one of the worst in the MLS? I mean, chances are slim to none, I would assume. I, I don't I don't think Messi's coming for the raw, like this. He who not be, shall not be named, right? I don't even want to jinx it by naming the yes. name at this point. All the more. He doesn't care what our record is before he gets here. He believes, and in fact, uh, he can almost make the argument, like, he'll come and make it better because he's coming for the money, right? Like, he's coming for the money, the, the team ownership, if he does come. I don't think that matters. I agree with you, though. The Pozuelo loss was the biggest loss. Um, I hate the fact the team, we're all assuming the team is making decisions based on messy like they're holding mm -hmm. out we're not going for it. everyone's like that's this assumption i think the other piece here is we we all tend to forget the sanctions that also played a part in us not bringing pozuelo back and if he had come yeah, back i i do start to wonder and not so i don't want to hate on martinez like I don't, i'm not to that point yet but knowing that we yeah. don't have martinez without pozuelo, yeah well i'm saying yeah if he doesn't start put he doesn't go up that count soon i'm gonna start changing but martinez without pozuelo I am starting to question how that decision was made, right? Like, here is this guy who needs service. We, you, I, bat, I have definitely bashed Martinez, and I always hear back, well, he's not getting service, he's not getting service, he's not getting service. But we don't have anyone to give him service, so you bring a guy on the team that can't get the thing he needs. Was that the right decision? Okay, I'm sorry, Chris. I thought you were about to jump in. All right, well... <laughs> Now, now we, we talked about Martinez. The question is, do you think he's done? Or, or like, I know it sounds like you haven't given up hope. I haven't given up hope. I won't give up hope until I see him next to Campana. If I see him next to Campana and he's freed up a bit on the top and he still can't produce, then I'm going to start questioning everything. But at this moment, I'm still holding off hope. Like, at first it was, 
Well, he's not fit. He is, he's not even playing 90 minutes a game. He's playing full 90 minutes now, right? So it, the question isn't, is he fit? The question is, has he lost a step? Mike, but I you think, think he's, he's played. But I think he's played 90 minutes by default, though. No, like I don't think, like for example, the the last time he played 90 minutes, it was only because uh, what well, there was a couple injuries and and they already did all their substitutions, and he had to no, stay he's on the 90 field. the last three games. Since yeah, the NYCFC, he's, he's played 90 minutes. Since the NYCFC game, he's but played he 90, be. only two games. He shouldn't be no, Listen. but. If you look at the when he was when he was playing for Atlanta, and I know he had the falling out with Atlanta, but when he scored the goal of the year for all of MLS last year, it was as a sub. He he shouldn't be playing ninety minutes. Um, to answer the question, I'm definitely not giving up Martinez. I think his I don't think it's a service issue. I absolutely think it's a he's not informed. And and oh, I thought you were figuring funny out. I he's not I'm informed. Sorry, I was talking to my wife. Um, I'm sorry. I I don't think he's he's. He's comfortable back with the ball. I don't know what's holding out the form, but you know, you look at the shots, and I was, I was posting on this in one of the chats. He's the shots he's missing. He's just botching the shots, right? Like he's not getting yeah, good he touch. Is. He's not. He's not. He's put them over the top. It's a soft. I think he had one that was a super soft to the goalie. I just think he's not informed yet, and and I don't. So I don't think he's done. I think he'll get informed. I think when Campana comes back, and we can run a two striker set with Campana and somebody else. I think Lacava. I'm still. I'm hot on Lacava still. I think uh, or Lacava or someone else with Campana, and then the 60 or 70th minute, all of a sudden we bring in Joseph Martinez against a, a struggling entire defense. Like there's some real opportunities there. And when we look back at like, this week's game, I think the stupidest thing we saw was the subbing out of Pizarro to bring who did we bring in for Pizarro? Yes, uh, La- Was it Lassie? Like, yes. What was but, that called? Uh, bring- uh, uh, just real so- quick before you keep going. Pizarro has been getting subbed off in about the 60th minute every game, or at least the last three games. I and I felt it. like the last three games, no, every time no, he's gotten subbed off, game, the whole he was, game, the, uh, to me, the he was the best player game, on the field. The Philadelphia game, he was sitting, because I have, I have seats right on in the, the first row on the west side. We were sitting right above him as he's sucking down energy packets in like 75th minute because he played the whole <laughs> game and he was doing everything he could to stay in that game. He was sucking out Gatorade, energy. The, the trainers were constantly through because he was trying to keep going. So I know he can do the full 90. I, it made no sense to me to sub for Lassie. Like, I get – I, I know in the chat they're going to bash Pizarro. I know it's a, you either love Pizarro or hate Pizarro. But he's one of three or four guys on the team that has an engine that wants to play right now. And, and yes. Martinez is not a 90-minute guy. And I'm okay with that. We didn't pay for him to be a 90-minute guy. We paid for him to be a super sub. Correct. Well, well for I don't me, know about super I, sub, but I'm okay with him not running the 90. Go ahead, Chris. Well, for me, I'm 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 giving Martinez like two games with Campana. I think two games with Campana will be able to show us as you know, as a fan base, to be able to show us, hey, this guy can be able to start, this guy can be able to play big minutes. Because that's what everybody was sort of like waiting for in the beginning of the season, right? They see the Campana and the Martinez sort of connection before the season started. They said, oh, this this could be a, a good thing. We still haven't seen that. So at this point, I think for me, at least, I'm not going to be super against Martinez until I can be able to see him connect with Campana as well. But until we get to that point, like we got to have another plan. Like you said, uh, Lacava's got to come in or something. I, I will well, say one I, thing I want to call uh, out because 
I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not on the Borgeland train, like at all. I, 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 the goal, the first goal he scored was a complete fluke. It reminded me of the Emerson Rodriguez stupid goal from last year where he took three shots to put in the back of the net. Ooh, um, be careful with Chris. Don't talk I, about his Emerson Rodriguez. <laughs> no, but what I'd say is I, I'm not on the Borgeland. But what I noticed was at the 70th minute when he came in, man, did our offense start looking better. And to me, what that really showed, because someone told me that that's what I was seeing, was the two striker set is the offense we should be running. Like, I think yeah. we should be running, and we'll get this, I think we should be running essentially a 5-3-2 or something that looks about like that with his with wing backs and three midfielders and a two-striker set. I think that's the way we should be doing it. We need the big striker on. So as long as Campan is injured, I do think Borgeland should be playing up front. At least it takes the pressure off whoever's up, up there. But we look a lot better when we have two active strikers than when we don't. Yes. Just to get back to the Cincy game a second, uh, what did you think was the best play that Joseph Martinez made that game, if there was any? Because I have one that nobody really talks about, and it wasn't even off- an offensive play. Uh, I-, I thought the-, the play that stuck out to me most was in the box. He had a one-timer that trickled off his foot and should have gone in the back of the net. And I, I kind of go back to, I just don't think he's in form. Oh. I don't think he made a useful play the whole game. I know he had, what, three touches, three shots, uh, none with power. So you think about a goal, a, a striker you want that one power touch. and accuracy. It was Neither a light both touch. Power and accuracy. Yeah, very light the, touch. I don't. The play really that I felt. The play, the, the play that I feel goes without mentioning. Um, the reason we almost got that penalty kick is because he jumped in front of a pass when he was pressing the defender, and he cut that ball. And he won that ball inside his own box, and he passed that out to Stefanelli, which got it to Pizarro, which almost led to that penalty. Joseph's active. He's active when he presses. Now, he doesn't press as much as I wish he would, but he's active. And, yeah. I, and if he would have gotten that ball and we would have gotten that penalty kick, it would have been all due to him because he made that entire play when he won that ball. Joseph, it's not like he's out there not trying, right? Like if he doesn't yeah. get the ball, he's not walking around. He's trying. And I still have hope that when Campana goes, gets out on the field, he's going to get unlocked because he's trying. He's busting his ass. And I thought that that play got overlooked because the penalty – or the lack thereof right after kind of overshadowed everything. And nobody talked about the fact that he won that ball. He almost gave us a scoring play. And I, I do agree with that statement, by the way, of he's, he's got energy. He is trying. Um, I, I think back to all uh, to Gonzalo. And Gonzalo with the flappy arms, whenever he got frustrated, I've never seen Martinez be frustrated. I've always seen him play, you know, the full, you know, as long as he's in there, he's playing full on. That's why I'm not, I'm not, I haven't given up on him. I'm frustrated by him as a fan. I want to see a heavy, pa- a heavy uh, strike in on frame. We haven't seen that yet. I don't. I don't think. A, I, I said this in a chat the other day. Someone said I'm wrong, but I cannot remember a single strike that uh, Martinez has taken so far that a goalie actually had to defend. Like the goalie oh, yeah. got, was yeah, pressured or either. really went for it and was 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 a tough save. Uh, maybe it's yes. happened. I just don't remember it yet. No, no, no. Uh, it hasn't. It hasn't. But I want to see one of those. All right. Um... Real quick to the Borgelin. I'm okay with seeing Borgelin come in if we can, if it could get us to play that two, the two forward set while we wait for Campana. Although, I mean, I said it last week, but I, because we're playing at home and it's an additional week, I would hope that now Campana is, is set to come back this week. Oh but God. if it's not, I, hope so. I would like to see Borgelin up there. We need to play that two striker set. That's what we've been basically setting up for all preseason. And I felt like we were adjusting on the fly and it hasn't worked out. Now, well, I think that I think we Borgelin gotta... would be great up there. 
I think we got to stop the Stefanelli stuff here with Stefanelli playing the yes. CF up here like that. That's got to that's got to go in the garbage. We can't be doing that anymore. We, if we got Steph, if we got Borgelin and we got, I mean, we got Lacava that I, he could be able to facilitate that role. I think better than than Stefanelli. No. How has Lacava looked so far? In uh, so I, Kava, I, I didn't season. see it. Yeah, he he had a real bad IMCF two game last week. I know everyone's kind of because I've been on hot on the Lakava train, and and people have mm-hmm. been like, no, 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 he had a bad IMCF two game. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's nothing. I'm like, guys, this guy was killing it in USL, right? Like for the Tempe Rowdies, he he could score goals. Um, IMCF two is not IMCF one. The expectations and and walking into a field, walking into a full pitch with full fans. You know, we've been filling mm-hmm. up the stands is not the same as being in an empty stadium. Um, some people feed off the energy. You know, see, I see in the chat, he'll go and he's not first team ready. How do we know he's not first team ready? Put him on the pitch for 10 minutes and let's see if he can play. Could we be doing any worse? We're in a four-game losing streak right now. Like, new ideas are worth trying when things aren't working. And again, I'm going to call out Borgelon's one goal, I could have scored. Like, my 10-year-old could have scored. It just He was standing there, and the little short guy from Montreal didn't even try to stop it on the second the second time. Well, and I, I, I think that your point is super valid because at this point, if we're going to have, you know, if we're going to have Borgelin get more minutes because of that goal and then we're going to have the Stefanelli, you know, striker experiment, I don't see why we don't try LaCava up top for what, 10 minutes? Because if minutes? he's not producing on the two team, why would he put it? He has to earn it, no? Like, you can't just be like, well, he did good in, uh, what was it, Tampa Bay Mutiny or Rowdies or whatever the hell they call. Like, let's bring him down here and, like, oh, he's got to earn it. If, once he starts producing down there, then we can give him a try. I'm all for the Borgelin. Hey, Once again, four-game losing streak. We have shown no offense. We do nothing in the top third. You have a guy that has shown the ability to score goals. I'm not saying start him, but we have played so- – we started Harvey Neville right back two weeks ago, right? Like, I know he's yeah. played well on IMCF too, but that's he's, no one thought he was a starter. No one still thinks he's a legit starter in MLS, and we did that. But like, I think that that is, is more out of necessity because at the moment, I, I, look, when we, everybody was talking about Yedlin and Negrina coming back, I think that that shows up a lot more towards the end of the game because they're going up and down like, like what you said, like wingbacks, even though they're playing as fullbacks. So by the time the end of the game comes, they have they're they're exhausted. So you have to sub them yeah. out at some point. But we only have one backup fullback. We have Harry Neville because Noah Allen is injured. McVay's playing center back. Who else do we have that plays fullback? But, uh, but Robert I'm Taylor, Danny, I guess. Going back to my could. statement about Lacoste, I, I I moved this over to I I moved this on Neville Neville. But like again, ten minutes of Lacava come in. We we we're we're not winning. We need a spark. We need something new. If if Neville was comfortable enough to say yes, Lacava can come to the bench because he's what he's been on the bench two or the past two or maybe in the last three games. If you think he can come to the bench, you're somewhat saying he can come play if, in the right circumstances, and yet we're not seeing that at all. And I get I get people like Borjelon when he comes in, we see differences, but also Borjelon tends to make a decent two striker set. Lacava can do the same thing, and I'm pretty sure if, if we had Lacava and Borjelon in there. Those are two pretty strong, aggressive guys. It's going to cause a fit. Something will happen. 
try it. If, if we're down, which I'm going to say, I expect us to be down on Saturday. If we're down towards the end of the game and we need a spark, let's try something new. Well, and last game, we only, we only subbed in three people. I mean, we have That's a total all three of five. Windows, though, one per window. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I'm with you. Management. I'm with you on the trying something new, but I I want to more look into trying something new as far as a formation goes. I don't know if I, I want to maybe just throw in Lacava in there to start. Or like, well, you said you wanted him as a sub, but I want a new formation. Like I think you and I were talking about earlier, how we we both kind of want the three in the back with the wing backs out there. But before we get to that, because I do want to get to that. Obviously, once you go on a four-game losing streak, the Neville out starts. Now, are we on this train? Uh, I'm going to start with Chris because Chris hates when people call for coaches' jobs. So I'm going to start with you, Chris. Well, are you on the Neville well, out I mean, train? I mean, we talked a little bit about it you know, before we started the show. I think that the argument of the fire coach thing is extremely lazy. It's a very easy argument. And, and I, that's something that I've always hated in sports, just period. I've never been one to say fire Phil, but if there's any game, it was last game that is like getting me towards the edge of getting to say fire Phil, right? I, I think that there's a mix of Phil's little blueprint of what he wants going on in the game. And he just doesn't have the right pieces. Uh, but if, Last game was just clear. You could see that he was misguiding this team. I, Mike, you talked a little bit about it. What, what's your opinion on on the fill on the fire fill deal? I, I I I've been the staunchest anti Neville out guy. I have I thought last year season he turned the team around. I, I think he was not even given enough credit for what he did with Higuain. Like Higuain was done halfway through the season. Neville made the hard call. I know I'm sure Beckham backed him, but he made the hard call. And so I've, I've supported him time and again, and last game in the same way. If I'm not on the train right now, I'm definitely at the station, right? Like, I'm sitting there. I'm about to flip. I'm kind of flipping. And where I've come to realize is, and it's so funny to make this in, in this time, I'm starting to call him Nev Lasso because I think he's a great player coach. He's a great <laughs> team coach. He understands locker room dynamics. He's been in locker rooms for his entire life. He understands you've got to have build a team. I, I am highly confident he can coach a guy like Martinez, Martinez may flip another table. It might happen. There might be some chicken and some rice. But he can handle that. What he's constantly showing, though, is he can't handle tactical formations. He's not the guy in the field or they're telling him how to do it. He needs his coach beard. We've never talked ever about whoever the assistant coach is on this team. I do not know who it is. I've never even heard the name. Oh, there you go. So, like, whoever the assistant coach is needs to be the tactical one. And, and I don't see that. When you, I stand right, be, I sit kind of behind the coach's box. It's only Neville ever up. You never see anyone else standing up or, or trying to shout the team. So I think we need to make a major adjustment on how we're doing tactical work. I think Neville overtrusts his players. I think we can go back to why is Pizarro doing one thing and Yedlin doing another because Neville's kind of saying as a coach, I trust my players, you do the right thing. Versus if you look at, I saw this comparison recently, you look at Barcelona and their triangles. They know where they're supposed to be at all times. They have exact positions. Like one guy's here, here, and here. They're constantly opening up Tiki space. Taka. We are the anti-Barcelona. And our players are too young and too, are not good enough to be given that that ability of freedom. And I think the one we're seeing the most trouble with that of all people right now is Bryce Duke. Because Bryce Duke doesn't understand how to be free, 
So all he's remembering is coach yelled at him and he didn't pass backwards recently. So he keeps on passing backwards again. <laughs> so something's got to change. Um, I think it's Neville. I, I, I don't think it's lazy to save the time. Like we're seeing evidence that's not happening. The problem is I don't think there's a replacement. Like who's going to come in and say, hey, I'm going to take the team that's halfway through a season in MLS that doesn't have Messi yet. Like there's not a lot selling this job. We're still under sanctions. You know, the fact is that we could have replaced uh, Gregory with another DP at this point. Like the rules say we can do it. It hasn't happened yet. We didn't even go look at the guy. As far as we know, we haven't gotten the guy from Ukraine that uh, Sergey was telling us to go look at. So I, I think it's time to start seriously considering a change. But I don't actually know if it matters because I don't think we're going to really get a big name to come halfway through a season. So I'm on the, I'm on the train, I guess, but I don't know why I'm on it because it almost doesn't make sense. La- you said last year he turned the team around. Now, I'm, I'm going to go two ways with this. First, last year, does he get the credit or does Pozuelo get the credit? Because Pozuelo, if Pozuelo doesn't show up, I don't think this team has the, the turnaround that it did. I don't think you agree that Higuain – no, I, I, I think even if Pozuelo showed up and Higuain had never been benched, it didn't get better. I think the team itself fractured. So you saw, yeah, great, these two guys are playing, but no one else wants to play with them. Um, remember, we all know the reason Pizarro left or was kicked out was because of locker room issues. And Higuain was not getting better in the locker room. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Neville benched him and he got better in the locker room. So I'd almost ask the question, without – Henderson and Neville being in line with how they wanted to deal with Higuain, do they even spend the money on Pozuelo? And I would say the answer is probably not because they knew what the problems they had to deal with were. So I I do. I give him full credit. Like, yeah, Pozuelo, hands down from a tactical perspective, made a difference. But now let's let's talk about that, which is you had Pozuelo and you had Higuain. They weren't being coached on how they played at that point. They were playing soccer as they knew it. They knew how to do those things. They didn't need someone telling them what to do, which is where we, we don't have today. Well, th- that's what I was gonna. That's where I was going with this. Is I feel like Pozuelo was the catalyst for the change, but I think Neville had a lot to do with it, and he doesn't get enough credit because of the fact that we were playing up the wings before Pozuelo got there. And once we had that ten, Neville changed things up completely. He stopped playing with five in the back. He started playing up the middle. Like he changed his formation once he had the players to do so. So the reason but I want and. I think he did because at that point we weren't going up the wings anymore. We were attacking straight through Pozuelo in the middle. So, so you so two things. I think we got rid of the three man back line pretty early in the season before even Pozuelo was there. So, like the the wing no, play. No, I think now that was right experience. in the summer. Was I could it? be I wrong, but I, th- real, I, I, th- I thought it was when we were still in USL. Like we had moved away from it when we were. Um, hopefully, some of the comments will will tell me. But I thought yeah, it was back during the USL time we got rid of it. Because I, I don't. I have very little memory of Sailor. Mabika and Ro- so, so Robert, Taylor, Robert Taylor and was playing from- right right wing back. I remember, and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, "Here we no, go, Yedlin, Lewis Morgan Yedlin all over all again." Last season, he was playing right right back. Was always I Yedlin mean, left, all le- last season. Left back and I'm left sorry, was left McVay. Back. McVay was left. McVay was right, and, and, and then, then Robert and Robert Taylor would would come uh, in also. Well, Robert Taylor plays a really good. So the one thing I've definitely noticed this season, I see it even more, is Robbie Taylor. If if Yedlin comes up, Robbie Taylor is the first guy to come back. Like all yeah, to cover his post. To, like when they say Yedlin doesn't track back, he doesn't have to a lot of times because Taylor's if especially if Taylor's on the field, Taylor tracks back for him. Well, that was last game when Taylor was playing. Before Taylor hasn't been playing because he was on international duty. 
but, and he's but been going back, I think I think you had a couple guys on the team last year. I'm going to call it Yedlin. And, and you had Lowe, who wanted to play forward. You had Yedlin now, who had Pozuelo to pass to. So I think the ball started moving towards Pozuelo because the team felt comfortable. Again, I, I'm, not giving, I'm not giving Neville credit for this. I think the team understood, hey, Pozuelo, <laughs> former MLS you know, player of the year, I'm going to give him the ball so that Papita will yell at him and not me anymore. Like, that's, no, that's how I see I, it played out last I, year. That's not, that's not how I, that's not, I don't see it at all. I feel like it was tactical. But, again, maybe, maybe you're right, but I think it was tactical. I think that they were going to. But my, my point being, this season, Neville, again, doesn't have the key players on this team. Everybody thought, who would be the MVP before the season started? Campana. He's been out. Who's going to be the, the cog in the defense? Gregory is the, the most important player on the defense. He's now out. Do we give Neville a pass because he's lost so many important pieces that he has to try to figure things out and he's putting players to play in places that they shouldn't be? And not because it's Neville ball, but because, well, he has no other option. I don't. I don't. I don't because, okay, let's say New York City, obviously, we give him a pass on. And then yeah, New York City crap. Yeah. Uh, that was, what was the game after Toronto. Toronto. Okay, Toronto, maybe you give him the pass for. But after Toronto, where we haven't seen a tactical change to, to accommodate the fact that Gregory, who we all know is a CDM, but played more like a center center back or played kind of a hybrid CDM center center back role, he's done nothing to yeah. replace that. And, and considering that we all know, and, and we're not at practice field, but we all know Mota is not a direct placement for Gregory. And, and yet but he tried he with Uyoa. Uyoa just isn't that guy. But we knew, and again, as a fan, when I saw Uyoa going, I'm like, that is not Gregory 2.0. Like, that's not going to happen. So I, I don't give him the pass because I haven't seen a tactical formation adjustment to adjust for a fact that arguably one of our best players is done for the season. It, it's, it's Well, and he's... Show me something. Well, and he's basically sticking with the same formation and just plugging Duke back there, which is why I've been such a such a big supporter of getting Kermashi back there because I feel like at least Kermashi's maybe he's a little better defensively, plays more aggressive, he's a lot more active. But putting Duke back there in, in, in place of, of Gregory, to me, is just mind-blowing. I, I just don't understand where he's going with that. By the way, I don't know if anyone just total side note. I don't know if anyone's playing FIFA right now, but they gave, they built a Gregory C uh, CAM. Oh yeah, you saw that like, the birthday card. It's amazing. I played with him. He's like my starting center uh, center midfielder, center technical midfielder. He's an unbelievable card. I'm like it has no basis in reality whatsoever, but it's a great card. Guys, that a center attacking midfielder. Like what? Yeah. What are we doing there? And they had Pozuelo's picture up the first couple hours. It was it was Gregory's card with Pozuelo's picture. Um, but I, I listen. Let's let's have this conversation. Three man backline. Like to me, that is the natural answer that we should be trying. Let's put Sergey in the middle on the left. McVeigh on the right. Sailor. Yeah. We, we got to mm. think about Sailor on the right or Mabika. You know, we've got mm. Yedlin over at farther right. We've got Negri farther left. Let the wing mm. backs play farther forward. And yet we still mm. have three guys tracking back, holding the defense with Sergey, our Champions League level you know, center back, anchoring it. And then free up Mota to have the middle of the field. And then let, you know, there's Pizarro, Kamashi, Duke. You know, now they have independence because our back end is protected. That's what Cincy did to us this past weekend. They were playing with the three in the back and the wing yeah. backs. And um, 
I remember last year when we would play extra defensive, that's when everybody was calling Neville Ball, right? Because we played way too defensive. Now this year we're yeah. playing way too offensive because we have our fullbacks basically playing over there up top like wings. Um, now to the point where you were saying that uh, we don't have the players to kind of take the place of the players that we've lost so far. You said that a lot of that is on Neville because he hasn't changed things. At what point do we start to question Henderson? Because I feel like I, he's I, kind I of gotten that. away. Oh, but I feel like he's kind of gotten away scot-free. Yeah. Everybody's like, hey, we got to replace the CDM. That's not Neville's job to replace the CDM. We have somebody that's job I, that is, and he hasn't addressed it yet. I I, I, I Danny or Chris, you mind if I answer or give you a chance? Yeah, you can answer because let me tell you, Danny is about to get destroyed in the chat. So yes, you can <laughs> you yeah. can go ahead and answer. So, so let's 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 address some facts, right? Before we even have this conversation. One, we are under sanctions and are limited on how much money you can spend. Two, our ownership wants a certain player from Argentina to wear number 10. And they are chasing him with no regard to our current status, right? Like I don't think anyone thinks the Moss brothers really care about the season if they think they can have Messi for two and a half seasons. They're willing to bet it all on Messi. But Gregory's being out for the season frees up that second DP spot. So we can address that, that spot. We just haven't yet. We, we can. You said yourself. We, you said yourself that Christoph we, told us, hey, my buddy wants to come over. He's a CDM over there. Let's go get him. And Hendon is, Hendon is kind of just chilling back there like, ah, but, let's see what happens. But we do not know who else the club has been talking to from Europe, right? Like, we don't know what there's going on out there. So if we replace – so let's say we bring off over um, uh, Chris uh, uh, Sergei's buddy. Well, he's not going to mm-hmm. want a seven-month contract. He's going to want guarantees, which means he occupies a DP slot in the 2024 and 2025. Well, maybe the club, and I'm just speculating here, right? Like I legit mm-hmm. have no information. Everyone jokes that I, 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 I always say hi to the Moss brothers, but I can promise you they're not, I'm not on their G6. I'm not flying around <laughs> them, I'm not getting info. But we don't know who they have, you know, in pencil coming over. I know everyone thinks it's Biscuits, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But there could be a third name that we're not thinking about or, or someone else we're not thinking about. We, we don't know. So I think that Hendo, I truly believe Hendo is, is basically negotiating with both hands handcuffed behind his back. He doesn't have a choice in the matter. He can only do so many things. And so I do give him a pass. I'll give him, I think no matter what, Hendo gets one full season out of sanctions before we even really start discussing is Hendo the guy we want to trust going forward. But it's still another 18 months with him because look where he's gotten us. We are not the same team we were two years ago. We've come through sanctions amazingly. We did get Martinez. We got Pozuelo. I, I just think, we got I think Pozuelo. We lost Pozuelo. We got Joseph, and he's a, he's been a, a ghost so far. Yeah. What has Hendo but, done but, exactly but, that everybody's on his jock? But mess, uh, but, I mean, we made the playoffs. He did, he, yeah. <laughs> Because well, of Neville with... and Pozuelo. Yeah. But he got Pozuelo. You can't you can't be like, what's he done? We got yeah, Pozuelo. He... We got him. <laughs> but he like, lost him. Well, I mean, can't have he lost him. Yes, you can. He lost him. We should have kept him. We would still be but, doing well right now. The if club, we the lost club sacrificed Pozuelo for Messi. Hendo dropped so the ball. The Moss brothers. I mean, if you want to say, are we losing trust in ownership? That is a very interesting conversation I'm happy to have. But are we losing trust in Henderson, who's being forced to negotiate in certain ways? We're not, we shouldn't be there yet. 
So basically, everybody in the organization is eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to save every single dollar and nickel to get Messi onto the team by summertime. So that's basically what's Look, happening. That's that's my, from your sources, the Moss Brothers, right, Mike? Yeah, yo, you know what? <laughs> they just texted me right now. They said Mike shut up. They're listening to the show. You see that? that see that guy JV saying that I'm contradicting? That's actually the Moss Brothers covering up for themselves. Look, let, let, I, I want to be clear. I, I'm just playing devil advocate here with, with Hendo. I, I love Hendo. I think he's done a great job. But when I try to take a step back from my fandom, right, and I try to take just uh, an unbiased look at things, everybody says what we're lacking is a number 10, and now that Gregory's out, a number 6. We don't have any 10 on this team. Nobody. No, no true number 10. Bryce Duke is the closest thing I can think of, and he's not really a 10. And then we have no 6. We don't have a, a, a defensive midfielder. Nowhere. The closest thing we have is Uyoa, and everybody says he's not really that guy. Those two important spots haven't been addressed, and I understand that. Maybe he can't use his DP spot because Gregory isn't officially out for the season, or we have sanctions. But as a GM, he needs to cover those bases. So instead of filling up the roster with 37 midfielders, right, number eight, so we got Kramashi, Duke, Pizarro, and all these other people, we should have addressed a defensive midfield. We should have addressed an attacking midfield, and that wasn't addressed by him. Now, I understand, like you said, and that's fair. there's certain things that he can and, and can't fair. do. I'm not going to disagree. But... That we... Henderson could do a better job, right? Like, all of us can do better jobs. I'm Always. not saying that that he's perfect, he's the greatest GM in the country, but I think what you're asking is, do I still trust him and still believe he should be driving this team? Yes, I do. And I, I think he has, he has the As right do I. to do that until we get, you know, get past sanctions and see what he can do. I, I agree. I just I think that some people should kind of be like, well, let's not forget that Neville is playing without an attacking midfielder, an attacking defensive midfielder, and he's just throwing just a bunch of midfielders to just do everything and figure things but let, out. Let me That's throw this saying. out. So, mm-hmm. so, so let me ask you this question, though. If Gregory was still here, would our offensive mm-hmm. woes really be that much different? No, exactly. but we would be that winning. Is- no, but... No, we wouldn't. We, 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 it'd still be horrible, like I've been saying all season. Even after we won those games, I thought our offense was horrible. But defensively, we would look as good as we did those first two games. Those first two games, we looked good. And then look, that third the game goal, against wait, NYCFC. Okay, so the first two games, we scored a goal off, uh, what, the, the first set piece and the horrible Borgelin score. So there was no offense mm-hmm. that won those games for us. Correct. It was Right, no. The luck. offense has been horrible. Mm-hmm. And then the second game, it was, was two, two beautiful strikes outside the box. Right. But again, but I'm not talking about the offense. I'm talking about the defense because we're getting scored on right now. We could be going 0-0 draws and everybody would be happy. Not happy, but we'd be getting points. But we're not getting points because we keep getting scored on. Last game, what happened? Since he only beat us 1-0. Why is that? Because they didn't think we could score on them. They weren't pressing us. They were allowing us to come attack them. But they only because scored on us. It works both ways, right? The first half, they also only scored us from a crap set piece. They were trying yes, to was. score more, and then it, they kind of gave up. But and, and it was a crap set piece. Like, that should not it have was. been a goal. It was. And, and off a header also, and I, I brought this up last week, and I'll bring it up again. We're still, by far, percentage-wise, the worst team in the in the I would say NFL in, in the MLS uh, winning headers. I think we win them at a rate of 30, we went up to thirty four point nine. Okay, so we went up one percentage oh, point. 
Yeah, but that is by far the worst percentage in the league. Well, I mean, half of it's when a five foot tall Duke is playing and he's trying to battle for headers and nowhere's near it. Like, right? Well, I mean, the the two the two players marking I forgot who it was that scored for Cincy was Yerlin that was behind him, and then Martinez who was supposed to Martinez. be marking right in front of him, and then he took a couple steps forward. But even if he would have been on the, him, the f- I mean, I I don't remember what MLS show I was watching. They did a comparison. Martinez still has ups. Like Martinez can get up oh, and defend yeah. with his head. Like yeah. he can get up way higher than I, I, it was on one one of the shows. Uh, I think on a the pre show, I was watching. And Yedlin like, can he too. Has that ability? Again, and Yedlin can too. That he's a little yeah. Yoshi. He's got bounce. It, it was just like right. I said. Martinez, if he held his ground that spot. Or someone says, "Hey, maybe the, the shortest guy on the team shouldn't be marking the front post." Yeah. Like there is, there is, there's some things to consider there. All right. So, were there any positives that any one of you guys took out of the loss on Saturday? I'll start with you, Chris. Any positives out of Saturday's loss? I liked how Bizarro played. I I don't know if I used that same positive last game, but I'm really liking the way Pizarro is playing. I mean. I don't, I don't think I'm the only one. The only problem is, is it's like you said in one of our last episodes, right? If he wasn't a DP and he was some young gunner on the team, everybody would be like, oh, he's awesome. We're getting an awesome player. But since he is a DP, it's a lot more expectations. I just don't feel like the team is helping him. The players are helping him to excel when he does make the strong push. But he's been probably the most impressive player on the team aside from the obvious and negative and what about you mike and christoph i i think i think i think there's a bunch of positives to be fair i'm gonna be glass half full first off no run of play goals i i get danny mm-hmm. your point they weren't really pressing but fine still things happen there was we, sure. we had counterattacks against us no run of play goals i i don't recall they still had 11 shots mm-hmm. calendar calendar still is a wall back there uh, his distribution still sucks. What was that with like in the 85th minute where he just puts a ball right out of bounds was, was horrible, but he's still a wall. Um, our defense, I think is, I'm, I'm going to say is playing well, especially since our defense really is two guys because our, our wingbacks yeah. are nowhere to be found on defense all times. I think that's a positive. Um, and, and frankly, I think the third one is I still think when we put the two striker set in, we look strong. We just can't execute yet. And so I think if you want to – I'm going to contradict – I apparently I contradicted myself earlier. I don't know what I said, but I'm going to contradict myself here. I do <laughs> think when Neville sticks to the two-striker set, we see some positives out of it. We just don't have the guys that can implement it because, again, I have no faith in Borgelin, and Martinez seems to be off his game a little bit. But I do think if we look in the, the, the first third of the field, there's a lot of positives right now. And if we can free up the wingbacks and let – and, and protect them, our backside and let them get really aggressive into the offense, you will see crosses. I, I, a lot of people make fun of Yedlin's crosses. I don't know what they're making fun of because he puts that ball into the center a lot. Now, a lot of times we go back to the fact that none of our guys are in the middle of the box, right? Like they should be someone there and Yedlin puts it in and then he's kind of wondering where the hell everyone was, which we're kind of go back to the original problem with the entire team has just, does not have aggressive. I, I want to point one thing out. I don't know if you guys watched the last five minutes of the St. Louis game when they were down one nothing and about to lose. They're, they're, so so St. Louis obviously is five and one now. They lost their they lost the first game of their, their season. They were down 
one nothing. Let me tell you, the last five minutes, that team did everything oh, to score. They were battling. Including last corner kick. Their goalie was in on that corner kick. Yet you look at our team, last corner kick. Where's Calendar? He's still protecting Drake, the goal. Wasn't Drake, I think Drake went up there. Drake was up there. No. He didn't go for the ball. He wasn't, but I think he was he up, there. up there. He wasn't up there. He wasn't – I'm expecting, I mean, I've seen Navas do it, like them in the middle of the box, in the goal oh, uniform, yeah. trying to get that, do something, mark a player. No, we didn't do it. We don't look aggressive. Yeah, so mm-hmm. see, uh, Steve, Steve's backing me up. Yeah, Drake I, was I, not I up there in, that, in the box. There. I thought I think nope. he was up there. I thought he was up there. And that um, has to change. Positives from this game. I thought Mota has been dropping dimes. He's been dropping some beautiful passes. I feel like Mota has, has looked a lot better. Unfortunately, because Gregory's out, he's forced to not push up as much as he usually does, uh, which is, uh, you know, one of the many effects of Gregory being out. Another thing, I think absolutely nobody was giving us a chance to be Cincinnati this past weekend. I felt like for the most part, the game wasn't as lopsided as everybody thought it would be. Outside of that one set piece, I mean, for the, like I said, they weren't necessarily pressing us. But we didn't look horrible. I, I thought that everybody thought that we were just going to be a shellacking, and I thought we, we held our own. Um, I remember someone. I saw someone predict like a four zero loss. Like there was, we were expected not to win this game. Yeah, and we again, were expected to not be I get it. that Cincinnati didn't press, but they didn't. Like we held our own. It was a one nothing loss did. on a stupid we goal did. where we couldn't come back. No, and look, they still have Vasquez. They still have Brenner. Like, they, they still have Acosta. Like, they have ballers, and they had opportunities. And just because they, they didn't press, but they still were playing the ball, and they had opportunities, but we held our own. So I'm happy. And there was a, a, a counter. I want to say it was Acosta that was running down the left side. And Yedlin, for somebody that everybody says that he doesn't get back, he hustles his ass off to catch up to Acosta, and he stopped that counter. So Yedlin is still hustling. I know last week he had his mishaps with Chicago, but it is what it is. Um, come go ahead, Chris. No, yeah, I mean it, it, the question you're bas- basically asking, you know, if we were better than than what was anticipated. I mean, we were a, a ton of people were just anticipating that we were going to get our asses handed to us. So, to mm-hmm. me, to come out with a one zero loss, I think actually reflects pretty well on our defense. And and one of the people you mentioned as one of the shining, I guess, players is Kristoff. I mean, to me, he's been super solid in the back line so i think that we i think that we i I think we got away with a a pretty decent performance especially on defense yeah mike Uh, i'll throw one other thing out there which we hasn't which no one's really saying and and we haven't covered it was 42 degrees and rainy these are not inner miami conditions to be successful we're on the road like this is a game a, a team like cincinnati should have had their way with us and, and I get it. They did not seem to have a game plan. They had a game plan built for us, not necessarily to score a ton of goals. But I, I think the positive is if we can figure out how to score a goal. And by the way, let's, just, let's call this out. If Martinez had nailed that shot he had a chance with and we got the PK, that game looks entirely different. Then it becomes another 4-4 shootout with Cincinnati and both teams going back and forth. We didn't convert on the chances we were given and they converted on the one on the chance they did. That's what this game came down to. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I, I want to give Matthew a shout out. Matthew, last episode we had uh, somebody from Cincy Soccer Talk come on, yeah. and they said that their weakness was set pieces. And Matthew came out in the comment section and immediately said, "For sure, we're giving up a set piece goal." And 
on the money. That's the only yeah. goal they scored on their weakness, a set piece goal, and uh, and it just is what it is. It's kind of kind of what you come to expect when you're a battered hair on, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we look better, and if you look back at so far this season, we didn't give up a goal the first three games, right? Because the NYCFC one was an own goal. Then we had Toronto. They scored twice. That Chicago game was a disaster. You know what? I'm trying to remember right now. I can't even remember how they scored outside of that last goal by Kai Kamara. I can't remember those first two goals. But then last game, a set-piece goal, 1-0. That was, like, for the most part, even without Gregory, our defense hasn't necessarily, I guess, looked horrible. Uh, we've held our own. It's not like we've been getting select by, like, four or five goals. We've been holding our own. But I think it's to the detriment of the offense because we're forcing Mota and Bryce Duke to stay back so much to kind of make up for that. So I, that's what I want to lead into this because I know what you might say because I think you've said it a few times already, Mike. Starting 11 coming up this week, what would you like to see different? Uh, I mean, I, I, I know we won't see it, right? Like, this is where I go. I'm getting I'm, – I'm stepping onto the Neville Loud train. I know he's not going to give us the back three I want. I really want to see Christoph in the middle of the back. I want to see uh, – uh, McVeigh on his left because I think he's we, he can play left back, so pretty sure he can play pretty decent left center back. And then I think we give him a Vika a chance, we give Sailor a chance on the right side. Um, we go for five, three midfielders. I think it's it's Pizarro, it's Stefanelli, and Taylor. I don't want to see start. I, I think he's a sub still. I love Taylor. I think he's an awesome guy. Um, find a, a third center midfielder, and then oh Moda. Oh, oh, fuck, I'm missing Moda. Yeah, Pizarro, Mota, and Stefanelli. And then I want to see a, a, a true two-striker set from the beginning. Obviously, it's going to be Martinez, though. Uh, I don't know. I think I said it here or said in free. Like, he's a super sub to me. But if Campana's not in, Martinez, Coco. If uh, Campana's here, Coco. I'm sorry, Martinez and Campana. Um, if Coco's not here, um, Martinez and Borgelin, let's just start it. I'm, I'm not on the train, but I, I'm willing to give it a shot. Uh, but I really want to see the five in the back, and obviously Negri and and and, and Yedlin as wingbacks, and then we go from there and we try it out. Uh, Dallas is going to be a tough game, but it's mm-hmm. it's going to be tougher if we don't try anything new because because yes. every team now knows what to expect from us. The tape looks the same game in and game out. They're going to build something to come at us. We got to do something different. Oh, I, I think they're going to be inviting us to attack until we figure out how to finish in that final third. Um, if Campana comes back, Chris, I'll start with you. If Campana comes back, you think he starts or he comes off the bench? No, I think he's got to start, man. I think he's got to start. Like, how long has it been already? Like, five years since he's played a game? Like, <laughs> come on. Like, where you've been, you know, the crazy thing is, is that there's been nothing spoken to the media, nothing said to the reporters about how far he's been progressing, how far along he is ready to play. You know, this is insane. I I think all of us saw an Instagram story for Campana. I mean, at this point, he's got to play this game. People were expecting him to play the last one. Thank God he didn't. Because like you said, it was a frozen tundra out there, Mike. So uh, if there's any time to play him, it's got to be this coming game. So I would I would anticipate him to be in the starting 11. No, Danny? So, what so about you, you want, Mike? If he comes back. Interesting, so what's interesting is we talk about Hendo's decisions. And it seemed like mm-hmm. a foregone conclusion that we were gonna we were gonna pick up Campana's Campana's you know thing. I almost started. I'm starting to wonder if he doesn't start in the next two games. Was that a mistake? Like, here's a guy we knew yeah. was injury prone. We saw it last year. He hasn't mm-hmm. played the first six games so far. You know, 
there's a reason why Ecuador didn't take him. He, look at the, look at the dude, his Greek statue. He didn't take him to the World Cup. Like, what did they know that we don't? I am starting to. I, if you want to talk to one guy, I'm starting to kind of get concerned about is Campana supposed to be the face and vision of this team, and he's not playing. Yes, and so. I don't, Chris, I don't necessarily think I agree with you have to start him because I am concerned about the injury thing, but we got to get him on the pitch and playing. Um, we don't know what the injuries it's are. A weird, it, it's a weird place to be in, right? Because, like, you want to see him start because, like you said, he's like the face of the team. But then at the same time, you're you, uh, amongst a lot of other fans, are worried about whether this guy's going to hold up. I mean, I don't want to go as far as to say Robbie Robinson-esque, right? But but he is, right? Like, he is Robbie it's kind of It's kind of getting there. I, so my answer, okay, so I, I say you don't start him. I think we're, 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 we're on our seventh game. We have not started USOC yet. We have not started League's Cup yet. Like, this is a long season. We've got, oh, what's 30, 30, you know, 26 regular season games plus – Two, at least three, uh, two leagues cups plus a U.S. Open match coming up. So I, I think you do start him slow. I think what we want to do, what I want to see is you start. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. You start Borgelin with a plan in the 60 or 70th minute. You're swapping him out. Mm. I could see that. I could see that. I could definitely. What do you think, Danny? I, I mean, I could see I, what, I, what I, Mike I, is saying for sure. I, I think I, I don't want to see Stefan Nelly start. I, I I'm I'm done with the cardio experiment. He just runs around everywhere. I really don't think he he's much impactful. Um, I would like to see a two striker set. I would like to see five in the back or three in the back with two wing backs, right? Three five or five three, whatever you guys you know. Different people call it different things. Um, because I think that the fact that Mota and Duke are constantly staying back to cover up for those backs running all the way up the field is why they haven't been producing very much offensively. If you free them up to push up a little more, maybe we can get a little more creative in the final third. And if Campana were to come back, I would like to see him start. I would like to see him start and maybe get subbed off in the 50, uh, not 50, 60th minute, 65th minute for Borgelin or La Cava or somebody. But I, I would like to see him start, man. I, I think that it would give this team kind of a shot of energy just to see him on the pitch. Yeah, I know it would give the, the stadium. Uh, everybody oh, seeing yeah. him out there, it would be really hyped up. And if he were to contribute, somehow scoring a goal or an assist, yeah, just making but, a nice play, you- I think that would get What's to do this stadium with ten? Where in minute ten, he he feels a little tightness and he raises his hand like pull me out, coach. Like I heard, I, someone gave me the advice a long time ago. You never start a guy that can't go the full ninety. And I get there are certain circumstances where that's probably not true. I get that but that person you're gonna put that. in there better be an all star and make a difference in the first sixty. Campana's not there today, and and we but look it, at the it's... problems. Just say one oh, thing. I was is, gonna say you look at what Martinez is going. Where Martinez is is not in shape. What do you think Campana is going to look like when he hasn't played? You know, since the second or third to last game last season, did not play, has not really played since then. Played a little bit in preseason. I think he played preseason a little bit, but for the most part, has not played. And now we're going to stick him in, expect him to start and make a difference. We're putting a ton of pressure on a very young guy who's injury prone. Well, maybe because be maybe because he's young, but I think it's along the lines of what we did with Martinez the first game or two, the first two games. Like he, they said that he wasn't fit to play ninety, so they started him and they took him off what the sixtieth minute or so in the first two but, games. But he was useless. So I thought that he was useless to us. Didn't do anything for yes. us. It's not making us right, better. Right. Like, he, he's, at least Borgelin can play ninety. Borgelin could hopefully play ninety for sure, and he's going to give us the the Euro step celebration when he finally scores. Yes. Confirmed. 
um, I, I don't want to risk. I don't want to risk Campana. Like we we need to bring him back, even if we get him back in an eighth or tenth game. Bring him in gently because the last thing you want is really us to be making the comparison to Robbie Robinson. It, it well, sucks for I, Robbie, but uh-huh. last last thing I want to do is make that comparison. Well, and I think with the with the way that you set it up, Mike, I think that it would actually play beneficial because uh, we'll still have Taylor on the bench, and when Taylor comes off the bench, he's sort of a plug in the game that that sort of gives everybody a, a big boost of energy as well. So. I, I, I'm not he, really. Another guy you know, I'm not really. It doesn't seem like he's not playing the same game everyone else is. He's trying to make stuff happen. The rest of the team's kind of going. Yeah, that's another player. That's exactly on point. If Campana comes back, but he doesn't start, is there a chance that we don't start uh, with the two striker set? And when he comes in, we switch to two strikers, or do you think that he gets subbed in for Martinez? I, I think what we've been doing consistently. Well. We haven't looked like a real two-striker set. Like, Coco's a really small striker, right? Like, he's tiny. Yeah. I always struggle to think of him as a striker. So, so Stefanelli, um, yeah. I, I think, I, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack Neville here. Neville needs to start with a two-striker set. And I don't, I don't think we've started one the first five games. Maybe I'm wrong, but like a true no, – Like, Coco no, and Martinez it. to me are not a two-striker set. And when you're starting that as a no. two-striker set, you're really starting like a striker and a CF. Like, it's not – a real combination attack. It's I want to see the high low. Give us the Compapi or the the Borzlan, Then put Martinez in. You know, everyone's been saying the same thing. We're still trying to play Campana ball where you put it over top and let him run it down. That's not Martinez's game. So I I don't think we'll see it because I don't think Neville will do it. And I remember last year a lot of times we were saying the same thing. Neville won't do it. Neville won't do it. And he finally did it and we won. So maybe he comes home and he turns us around a little bit. But I don't I don't expect to see it. Like, I think I, I have very low hopes for Dallas. All right, Mike. Well, with that said, I think it's about time for your prediction. So what are you thinking as far as home game, four-game losing streak? Maybe we get Campana back. Hopefully we get Campana back. Well, what are we thinking for this Saturday coming up? So, so let's take into account we're playing on Saturday of Easter Sunday, right? Like, so the crowd is not going to be a loud crowd. We got Dallas 2-2-2 two, two, and two coming in. They do not have a real resounding win, though. You almost give them the fact that they only lost 2-1 to LAFC as almost a win. Um, but I, I don't think they're very great. I think I can, they have revenge on their mind. I happened to be at the Dallas game last year where we pulled off the tie at the last second. I'm sure that one is – they've been playing that in the locker room that we kind of screwed them on that game. I think a 2-1 loss, likely a 3-1 loss possible. I, I don't see us salvaging a point. I think – if, if we get the, the play sheet an hour before a game and Neville has made legit tactical changes, I, I will eat my hat, and I think we have a shot. But if we show up with the same thing we showed up the last two or three games, I, I just don't see a possibility of us winning this game. Call me negative, Nancy. I'm going to drink a lot. That's very... Greenlock gang, we're going to have a great party ahead of time. It's going to be an awesome pre-tailgate. The tailgate is the game. We're going to have an amazing time. Siege, BHU, and, and, and GLG all together. Throwing out a little, little on that, but I think that's well, yeah, I was about like to tell you to, to kind of just uh, we're coming to the end here. I wanted you to, to, to go ahead and tell everybody about the Greenlock Gang because uh, we're about to sign off. Kind of tell them what it is, where you guys are, and where they can yeah. find you on Twitter and all so the social media. Greenlock Gang, Greenlock Gangs, uh, we start out literally as a bunch of people in the Greenlock tailgating together. Uh, we've always been in the same spot, so if you're walking towards the uh, training facility. Um, you got that big blue cross blue shield sign. We park right next to it. 
Uh, this year, we've actually joining us is The Siege is parking with us and Black Parents United. Uh, we do a joint tailgate between all three groups, uh, 50, 60 people every game. Uh, we do have some bathroom access this year, so it's, it's real nice. Uh, it's a great tailgate. Everyone is welcome. Uh, we love having people there. Uh, we are at Greenlock Gang uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, GreenlockGang.com is our website. Uh, we, we love just come join us, come have a drink with us, come chat. We'll chat about everything from from footy to I'm sure I'm sure people are watching the, the NCAA game. I'm sure that'll be coming up. Uh, we try to get some TVs if there's any other games on. Uh, kind of screw MLS and Apple because now we don't even get three o'clock games anymore, which is horrible. Um, but yes, we'd love to have you out there. And yeah, it's a big party. We all have a great time. And frankly, if this keeps up and the losing streak continues, people are just going to go to the parking lot and like, we'll maybe go into the stand at the 45th minute because we're not going to stop partying to just watch the loss. Uh, but yeah, all, all inner Miami all the time. That's awesome. Hopefully we can stop by next Saturday. Chris, anything else for the people? There you go, Mike. <laughs> so there's the steak and toast. We're just going to get right to it. I'm not even warming it up. I'm not putting on any lube. What are we doing here with the steak and the toast? All right. First off, steak, there's only one way to kick steak. It's number one. Anything more is a crime to the meat. I like my steak rare. Uh, toast, three. Four's pushing it. I'll go to three for most of the time, four for a BLT, because a BLT just need a little bit more crisp on a BLT. Uh, and don't show me the coffee, because I don't drink coffee. Yeah, no, forget no, we, about the coffee. We, the we, we don't, we don't ask the coffee. We literally yeah, cut the coffee part because who cares? I don't know if anybody saw it. Steak is meant to be rare. Why, why do you cook something if you don't want to taste? Like the whole point is to taste the meat. Not well, because to, you like, don't want the blood. The hell of it. <laughs> what makes it you better? Don't want the live animal. What are you talking about, what... blood? <laughs> Isn't that how COVID started? Like, come on, man. <laughs> that was a bat, not a steak. Like that was. That was I know, I know, wings. I know, I know. Got you, I got you. <laughs> that was a bad Danny. No, get but I would I would not right. eat just ran. I wouldn't get like a bloody steak. Like, I've eaten that. I'm a no, three I've guy. Eaten that steak. I'm a three that's, guy. That steak is good. Nah, three nah, is a little sure. crazy. All, all that all that blood all yeah. over the place kind of it's, it's too much. I have, I have definitely been that that guy at the restaurant. You bring three to my table, three's going back to the kitchen, and I'm getting I'm getting another one that's a one. Yeah, you know what's happening with the three? The three's going back to the kitchen, and then they're just going to give it to Danny because he got the one. Yeah. I look, I'm okay with the three. <laughs> All right, well, well let me thank tell you, you everybody. Oh. I know that I know that I've spoken to Danny about Daddy heading out to the green you. lot, and so for sure I think that Danny and I, we're going to make it out to the green lot at some point. Uh, love to get a beer with you guys. I know that I'm looking forward to it. And you guys are super fun online, and it, it's I can't wait till the next game for sure. But you can't wait for the next game because we're gonna win, or because well, because first I, I enjoy the pregame stuff, and more if we're gonna be going to the green lot, right? But next game, I'm not really looking forward too much to the game. I'm looking more forward to the pregame with the green lot gang. So, so uh, throw out one more thing here uh, for the green lot. So this year, because we've had the big crowds. Uh, when the players walk from the, the center, the training center to the field, about an hour, hour and a half before game time, we're giving them a great crowd. We're giving them a great welcome. Uh, it's really cool because you really see the faces. The first time we did it, we had a big crowd. Uh, it was like Pizarro and some of the other guys were walking out. We're like, holy shit, there's a crowd here actually cheering us on. Um, so that's oh, really nice. cool. 
I mean, as, as fans, we're really trying to get make the players know that we got faith and believe in them. It'd be nice if they kind of return the favor, but, you know, we'll see what happens. And let's enjoy that before Messi comes because that shit goes away once Messi gets here. Yeah, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> and, then, and then something there's, it, I think it's, it's not as messy. I think MFP changes well. We've definitely seen some of the plans for MFP. There's not a lot of tailgating space. So mm. the good news is we have talked to the club. They are aware that tailgating is a part of the, it's already become a part of Inter Miami's culture. culture. It's part of South Florida yeah. sports culture. So hopefully with MFP, we'll get something. I do think Messi would change things. Um, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Or, hey, maybe it won't happen. We'll go out and get a new CDM, and we'll just focus on the season and, and get some wins. You heard that, Hendo? I know you're listening. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you, everybody, for joining us on the chat, for joining us live. And if you're listening to this or watching this later on, thank you for listening all the way to the end. We appreciate you. Chris, anything else for the people before we head out? Catch us on Wednesday. That's right. Catch us on Wednesday. We're going to be previewing the Dallas game with somebody from, and this is the name of the podcast, the Big D Soccer After Dark. I checked. I checked. Is it really after dark? It is. It is. Yes. It's a soccer podcast. I listened because I was a little little iffy about it. Definitely a soccer podcast. So we're going to have them on on Wednesday to preview the game. So catch us Wednesday at 9 o'clock. And, Mike, thank you again for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. And we look forward to running into you on Saturday. Awesome. Yeah, guys, it was a blast coming out here. Thanks for the invite. And looking forward to first drinks around me. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you again. And we will catch you guys on Wednesday. Have a good one.